Okay, so we're doing this series, actually, coincidentally, about the church, and uh, we have so much to talk about. Um, one of the things I'm trying to do, successfully or not, I'm not sure yet, is I kind of need to undo your, your thinking about what church is so we can reassemble it together. It's, it's going to take some time. I'm not going to be successful, I fear, but uh, I'm going to give it another crack today. Um, so just a little review, and then um, we want to give out another award today. But the re- here's the review. The church is not something that you go to, as I just used that sentence a minute ago. I'm going to church. And the church is not something that you do for an hour on Sunday, right? It's not something that you sit and evaluate and decide how well it made you feel or not feel. Um, Actually, when you go back, it has nothing to do with uh, any of that. Um, But as you read the, the book of Acts, which would be the book in the scriptures that talks about the church... Um, Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, how many Jesus fans do we have here today? Like, I'm in. I'm in. All right, there you go. Hey, hey, wow. I came to the right place. So you're into Jesus or what he said or what he did, what he taught. I mean, it's hard to argue with Jesus. It really is. Because, I mean, it's just, he just poured out his life in love to others, to the common man. And he fought the system, he fought the religious system of his day, uh, but he fought for the common man, and he fought for love and grace and justice. And I mean, it's hard to go against Jesus. He was courageous to the point of giving his own life. Um, next week, we're going to ce- celebrate Veterans Day, right? When people put their lives on the line, and Jesus put his life on the line for what he... So it's hard to argue with him. The, the thing is... When Jesus left, he told the disciples, his followers, you're going to finish what I started. In fact, he says at one point, you're going to do greater things than this. In other words, are you ready for this? Jesus came to save the world, and then he left it in our hands. We're the plan. We're the plan. We are, as Paul said, the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. And now it's our job to pick up where he left off. Do we meet together on Sundays? Yeah, we do. We happen to. But we can meet together on Thursdays. It's just you guys wouldn't come. (laughs) So if you're on Sunday, it's a tradition. It's a tradition. That's all it is. Do you think God's like up in heaven, like sitting there on Sunday morning with his alarm clock set, wondering if you're going to show up? I think, no, I, I think this is, this is when we get together. And the form doesn't matter. The function is what matters. This is what we've been saying in the series. How many got it so far? I think I get it. We can meet on Tuesday. We can meet on Monday. We can meet in a really fancy cathedral with stained glass. We can meet in a building we'll just call Building C for grins. Does it matter where we meet? No. In the early church, they met in caves. I've been in a cave in uh, southern Turkey, right near the border of Syria, uh, where the church met. I've been in uh, little homes. I've been in little mud huts uh, that are met in today. It doesn't matter. Today, we meet in homes. It's not the form that matters. 
No one person or one denomination or one church has a, uh, a stamp of authority. I mean, the Catholic Church tried that for years. I think they've kind of given up, maybe partially. I'm not trying to be against. I mean, we all have our... I mean, you know what I'm saying. It was like everybody's through this guy and he's the guy. And, but they've even given up on that, I think. There, in other words, there's no official form. It's kind of loose in some ways. It's a little organic. And, and, and the church is if, if Christ, how many, so if Jesus did something good for our world, if he came to save our world, how many would say it was so important what Jesus did? No? Sir, come on, you're in church. Just throw it up. Fake me. All right. I mean, it's so important what Jesus did. And then, and then this is what people do. Then they go, but church, that doesn't matter. I'm just for Jesus. No, Jesus, this is his plan. He put his spirit into us and said, now go finish the job. And this is, we are to continue the, the work, the revolution, the thing that Jesus began. So I've been doing this thing. If you had a scale, church is terrible, awful, evil. And there's a few people that believe that. I don't, I don't think most people really deeply believe that. Um, I think a lot of people are in the middle. And here's what I mean the middle is. I think a lot of you are in the middle, to be honest. Go to church because, you know, God will be happy with you. You'll probably get a raise or something. You know, you get some sprinkled dust. Oh, come on. That's what you believe. I'll get some, like, sprinkled dust and, you know, I'll get a better job or I'll get that bonus or whatever. And if I don't, you know, I'll miss. And it's nice. And, and you know, Tim McGraw said it best in his song. You know, you know the song, Always Be Humble and Kind. Yeah. And he says, there's a line in there. It says, go to church because you're... The church is essential to saving the world. No, because your mama, what? Told you. To me, it's just like smack in the middle of what most people think. Go to church. Why? Because the church is the hope of the world. The church is central to the plan and the purpose of God, the creator of the universe, in which he's going to restore and heal everything. No, it's too long to put in a country song. So you go, go to church. Because your mama told you. And it's been redu- church has been reduced to nice, polite. Go to church because your mama told you. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but how many moms are even having trouble with that one these days? Why? Because we need to give them a better reason. Because maybe this is the way God's going to fix and heal and rescue and save our world. If our world is drowning, I will call it the sea of sin, but let me me just take that word and put it over to the side because it's so loaded like so many other words and people misunderstand what it is. So I'm just going to put it over here and I'm going to replace it for which I think is a good substitute word for a lot of times and maybe an oversimplification, but if our world is drowning in a sea of selfishness, Trace it back. Trace back the fight. Trace back the problem. Trace back the oppression. Trace back this inequality. Trace back racism. Trace anything back. And what you find is the root of it is selfishness. I want what you have. I'm going to take my way. And I don't care about you or your feelings or your needs. And somebody had to get us out of that sea. Christ taught us to live. 
Do you remember one of his sayings? Take up your cross and follow me. Today, what that means is go to the Christian bookstore and look for a really fine-looking piece of jewelry and make yourself look sweet. Isn't that what it means? Today. What did it mean then? A cross was a wicked instrument of death and torture. It'd be like, take up your gas chambers and follow me. And we all had little gas chambers like strapped around our necks. What was he saying? He went selflessly, laid down his life to to turn the tide from the sea of selfishness that was pulling humanity under and taught us to live a different kind of way. And so hopefully the reason that we wear our crosses or we hang our crosses or we look at them is not that has some magical dust that's going to sprinkle on us, but because it stares us down when we want to be selfish and self-centered and say, no, that's not the way to live your life. I can't just live for me all the time. I have to follow him. I have to take up my cross. I have to not get my way. I'm so forward to looking today to not getting my way. How many are just looking forward to that? All right, that was just the introduction. I'm going to give this award out today. <laughs> I want you to believe in the church. I don't want you to think the church is nice. I don't want you to come because your mom. I don't want you to become because you think I'm mad. People always see me out in the community. Oh, 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 oh. I don't care. I have a big I don't care sticker on my head. I don't care. I don't care if you came or didn't. Don't do it for me. Don't. Huh? Uh, never mind. All right. I have to give this award. I'm honored to give this award. So our, our, our team sits around at times and we, uh, I mean, the, so our little church, our little microcosm of the big church, right? We're just, Archer Grove is this microcosm of what the worldwide church is. But but it, it, our form, though the form isn't everything, you have to use some form. You have to tell people, hey, we'll meet at this time, we'll meet in this building, and that's kind of us, all right? And, um, but there's always so much to do. And whenever we do things as this body, I mean, there's people that do so much stuff. There's so much stuff that goes on. And uh, we're always looking for people. And we'll sit down with our staff. And then sometimes when we need a volunteer or someone to take up a project or something, We'll, we'll like, well, who could we get to do this? And we have this problem, and we know it's a problem, but we do it anyway. How many got problems eating candy, but you do it anyway? <laughs> How many ate a lot of Halloween candy last night? I should throw this out, but I'm not. All right. Uh, and our, our problem is we go back to the same well. We know certain volunteers will always step up and always take something on, and so we go back to them. And it's, it's probably not how it should be, but... I guess it's some part of our broken reality. And this person, to me, is in that category. Um, has been a part of Orchard Grove for over 10 years and just served in so many times when we needed a big project. and like, who could we get to take this on? And the staff will go, I wonder if Patience will do it. And uh, we want to honor and thank Patience Hampton for her hard work at Orchard Grove. So Patience, will you come up here? Come here, Patience. We love you. We love you so much.
And thank today's you. Brad not here. Oh, he's not here. <laughs> awesome. We love you. Thank you so much, Patience. Oh, thank you. It says, thank you for partnering with Orchard Grove and rowing the boat. You are all a part of the body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. 1 Corinthians 12. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. We love Thank you. you. Uh, so, you know, the church is way bigger, uh, obviously, than one particular family like Orchard Grove. But our Orchard Grove family uh, is pretty special. And there's some pretty amazing people that do a lot of things to serve you, to serve, you know, to make things good for you. And uh, we owe them a debt. Um, the, the funny thing is, um, I think I have a picture, but this Orr Award's gotten so popular that people are now sort of lobbying for it. I mean, I didn't expect it out of you guys, but people are kind of taking it to another level and thinking about, hey, notice me, notice me. So, you know, I was driving through town the other day and I saw this picture and I had to take a picture of it because I, I thought, well, this is a little bit over the top, but do you guys have it there? Can you pop it up for me or Maybe. They might be able to. They're like, that's a boat coming out of the front of someone's house. And uh, didn't leave it up there long. But uh, okay, that didn't work. All right, never mind. I thought they'd leave it up there longer. Okay, here we go. Huh? Oh, there it is. That's somebody saying, "Pick me, pick me. I want him. I want the Or Award." Um, <laughs> All right. Um, by the way, uh, I think the team made some of these for you. If you, if you have a skill or a talent that you would like to share with us, uh, the, these little cards right here are, give us some information, and then our team will uh, put it together. And it would help us because then we wouldn't have to go to the same well all the time, but we could spread the wealth around a little bit and reach out to different people who may have this talent or that talent. And... Um, Part of the idea is that if everybody does something, no one, one person kind of gets drowned. How many know what I'm saying there? Okay. Um, so, the church is God's purpose in the world. And what we're learning is that each one of us is a part of it, separate but necessary. And the, the metaphor of the body is perfect because every one of your body parts is so different, so unique. I mean, a knuckle is nothing like a brain. Makes it good for a knucklehead. But besides that, your knuckle and your, and your elbow and your heart and your liver and all these things, they're all so different. And one of the mistakes that we all make in life is we like to get around people that are like us. Isn't this true? So you join the liver club, you know, and you hang around all the livers. <clears throat> but the problem is you don't get really challenged if you're in the liver club. You just comment on how fatty each other is and how that's how liver should be. Just relax, all right? And then, and then if, you're in the, if you're in this club, in other words, we want to um, be around people that are like us. But the body teaches us that, no, different is good. Different is good. People have a different opinion. People come from a different background. <clears throat> People have a different way of looking at life. 
People have completely different skill sets. How many have ever been in a meeting with somebody and you were thinking one thing and then someone else in the meeting spoke up and said something completely the opposite and you thought to yourself, what is that person thinking? Or are they thinking at all? But people have their own perspective. They bring their own ideas to the table. And this is important because this God made you special and unique. So in Ephesians 1, it talks about how the church is God's plan to bring heaven and earth together, to, as we've been teaching over and over again, not for us to leave earth and go to heaven, but to bring heaven to... Have you been here, please? Bring heaven to what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on, on as it is in heaven. And if, you, if you're into Jesus, I mean, if you're into your own thing, then that's okay. So the church is God's plan to bring heaven to earth. And then he needs individual participants. Each person here. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You matter. Your part matters. Your part matters in an unbelievably important way. Oftentimes people think, well, pastors, we're talking about the church, a pastor matters. No, pastor is just a mouth. That's it. And without lungs, without a liver, without, right? A mouth is just a mouth. Without a jaw, without a, in other words, all of us play an unbelievably important part. And we do the disservice of favoring certain parts of the body. This past week, I don't know if you saw in the news, there were two ladies that were rescued from a boat. They were trying to sail across the Pacific, and they got rescued by the U.S. Navy. How many know they were glad for a ship that came their way, right? Think about it. All the positions on a Navy ship, there's guys that hold ropes, there's guys that... That, that work in the engine room, there's engineers, there's, there, there's just countless, countless people all doing individual things in order to save or rescue somebody. The thing that is so important to understand is this. In, in the second chapter of Ephesians, it says this, that you and I are God's masterpiece. You, my friend, are a work of art. Not a piece of work, a work of art. All right? <clears throat> Get it right. All right? You are, this is important. You're not perfect because you have, you know, it's selfish, like me, we have selfish desires and tendencies at times that revert us back, that pull us back. Right? Right, right, right. Free confession. Okay, you got it out. Ready? But you're a work of art. You're unbelievably unique and special in the way that you look at the world and the way that God's made you. Nobody is like you. And listen to me. Stop trying to be like anybody else. Who cares? There's only one, only one, eternally ever one you. Who cares what this guy did or that gal did or this person did? Be you to the best of your ability. Do you. Can you imagine me trying to be like a regular pastor? 
You know, could you imagine? No, I mean, I, I did it for a couple years. I mean, I was just... I felt like David in Saul's armor. I was like, oh, this is terrible. I mean, no, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I was stressful. You know, it was like you're supposed to talk a certain way. You're supposed to say, praise the Lord, brother, every other sentence. And I just couldn't do it. It just wasn't me. Nothing wrong with that. If that's you, then do that. I'm here with me. Just do you. And I tell you what, it was so freeing the day that I decided I didn't have to be that. I was so free. Uh, I didn't have to dress a certain way. I didn't have to talk a certain way. I didn't have to act like I liked things that I didn't like. I, I just decided to fully embrace being me. Maybe I struggle with that at times still to this day, and maybe you do too, but here's the thing to think about. There's only one you. God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Stop thinking that way. Stop letting that go through your head that I should just be like this person or if I was just like that person. No, God wanted you to be you. Love yourself. Love the masterpiece, the poem. Ephesians 2.10 that God made. Huh? Sits back and looks at it. Have you ever just done something... Any artists here? Any art? you, you made something, you created something, and you just stood back and said, ah, oh, so good. When God finished making you, he just looked back and he just said, that's so good. That's so good. I want you to look in the mirror tomorrow morning and go, that's so good. Huh? Isn't that the opposite of what most of us do? Uh, 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 uh. We look at our faults, we look at our f- failures, we look at this, we look at that, and we think, oh, no, no, I want you to look at the mirror and go, oh, that was good. Look at the mirror of your heart, say, that's good. What would happen if we believed Ephesians 2, 10, 11, it says this, that we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good, to do good. Look at that God prepared for us to do. Why are you unique? Why are you special? Why does God make only one you? Because he has a job and a purpose that only you can fulfill. And look, to, look here, don't spiritualize it. Don't go, well, if I'm in church or I'm at a homeless shelter or I'm, you know what I mean by that? You put it into the category of, no, when you do your thing, when you email people, when you, uh, when you take out the trash, when you do whatever that you do that you, you call mundane or ordinary, that is the thing and that is the way in which God is working through you. The big mistake people make is they say, well, the church thing, that's, again, they put it into the category. If it's on Sunday or if it's at the soup kitchen or if it's a missions trip, right? How many know some of you need to take a missions trip across the street to your neighbor? And just do love, just be love. Just, and, and these are the kinds of things that God has put inside of you so that you can fulfill the purpose that he created you to. Now, what happens is as we mature, how many are growing up a little bit? Like, some of you are like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like 65, but I'm getting there. Isn't it true? Like the older you get, you're like, man, I got some work to do. And you know what's really scary? When you meet somebody that doesn't have any work to do, 
Those are the scary people. No, honestly. Like, no, I got it. But you, you get old, you think, man, there's so much maturing to do. And let me, if I can, kind of define what I, what I see as maturity or what some people would call spiritual maturity. When, if I'm a knuckle or I'm an elbow, I don't see myself as me, but I see myself as what? We. I see myself as a part of something bigger. But this takes a while. Back to your, back to your kids, right? When you're raising your kids, I mean, they don't really care what the family plan is. They don't really care what the brother's plan is. How many? Are, no? Yes? Yeah. They don't care. It's me. I, this is me. And, and as they grow up, then they, they can get a little bit of like, hey, could you be nice? Your brother's... A, uh, they drag their feet, but they go, okay, right? And you get a little bit older, and you still still think of the world as me, myself, and I, but you get like, socially, you won't have any friends, so you got to be nice to a few people. <laughs> oh, I'm close. <laughs> you just got to have a few friends. You got to kind of be nice, make them think it's about them. You got to listen to half of the conversation. <laughs> but as you grow, no, this is important. As you grow... You know, what Paul said is, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Paul moved from me, myself, and I to we. He he got to the point in his life where he transitioned from what life is about me and my wants and that to I see myself as a part of a larger connected whole. You've done this. Whether you're there or you're on your way there or you're halfway or you're just getting started, you've had glimpses of this. If you've ever fallen in love, you've had a glimpse of this. You did some, huh? I I know some really tough guys that did some really stupid stuff when they fell in love. Huh? (laughs) You want to clap? Yeah, we can clap for that. That's funny. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, buddy lost their mind for a minute. But what did they lose? They lost their sense of me. And they fell into a sense of something. I don't even care. I just want to be there. I just, I want it to be we. I've watched my brothers do this when they've had children. Like, you know, not saying anything, but you know, my brother can be selfish at times. But then he had kids. Whoa, who's this guy? He like lost himself. I'm like, let's go, let's go golfing. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't. I got to make sandwiches. I'm like, well, just throw something in a bag and let's get out. He's like, no, I got to cut it. You got to cut the sandwich? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He lost himself. But maybe or isn't that what spiritual maturity really actually is? We lose ourselves because we find ourselves in love with something bigger than us. Something that gives back to us. And something that we naturally give ourselves to. By the way, that's why it takes all the force and have to and ought to and should out of church. If there's one thing I wanted to do with Orchard Grove was I wanted to take all of the have to, ought to, should out of church. It shouldn't exist at all. 
You should never have to give. You should never have to serve. You should never, because you just aren't there yet. And that's okay. I hope you get there. I do. For your own sake. But there's no force. There's no, you have to just, once you see yourself as connected, you see yourself as a body, you, you just are. You just lose yourself. No one gave my brother a class. Nobody. I mean, I could tell you so many good stories about my brother. Oh, we would be laughing for hours. But then, and me too, but things that you did. And th- but then when he had kids, it was like, boom. What happened? He saw himself as something different. So we have glimpses of it in our own life. The, the big question is, do we really see what Paul was getting to when he talked about this mysterious thing called the body of Christ, that all of us are somehow connected? I mean, we have our fits of independence, don't we? Don't we? Paul, I don't know if you know this, Paul and Jesus changed the world. And the world still has a lot more changing to do. Uh, Time. Okay. Oh, 12 seconds. That's not good. (laughs) Seven. Uh, Next week. Oh, yeah, next week. Well, here, okay, 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 listen, listen. I know that the world can feel dark, difficult, depraved, whatever, and you watch the news and it's all falling apart. I, know, I get that, okay? But just please listen for a second. It's moving the right direction over the long haul. We've got to keep it moving that way. Don't fall into hate and despair and anger and don't fall into that. If I could put up a, a chart of the stock market... I would tell you to invest in the, for the what? Long haul. Because if you saw the long haul, you'd go, it goes like this. Man, I should have been in down here. But what do people do? It goes a dip, and then they go, ah, right? And they sell, and they, no, no, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. I'm not financial, but listen. The arc of human history is this way. And if you're a student of history, even if you're not a student of the Bible, if you're a student of history and social sciences, you would have to admit that what Jesus did on the cross did something, changed something. And the church, we've gotten it wrong many times. I mean, under the label of the church, you can get it really wrong. But I tell you what, over time, when you embrace the idea of the cross as selflessness, as not me, but we, it changes things. That's what I invite you to. I invite you to the cross. I invite you. Ready? Because I'm going to put the word church out of my mind for a minute. I'm going to just put, put that aside. Don't come to church and tell how the pastor did. Listen, I invite you to the community of the cross. To the community of people who've decided we is better than me, to the community of people who've decided that they would rather lay down their life than take the life of someone else. 
to a dangerously loving community that would include the unincluded and honor, honor those in society that have been pushed down. What Paul and Jesus did, it was revolutionary. I mean, people were, women were property and all these kinds, I, I don't have time, there's no time. All right, let's stand, let's stand. You gotta believe in the church, my friend, and you gotta believe that you matter. And let me say one more thing. You ever bump heads hard with somebody that's just so different from you and you just wanna knock them on? It's so hard, or I'm married to them, you say? (laughs) I mean, when you see people with different gifts, you can drive each other crazy. But I'm not talking about taking selfishness out. You need to take selfishness out of everything. But listen, we need to understand that different isn't bad, different is good, because it helps us become this incredible body that can change our world.